This is literally what they have on the ballot. And who's they? This satanic, baby-eating, flesh-consuming, drug, blood-drinking, oh Christ, evil, altar, sacrifice your kids up at the altar of Baal. Uh-huh. Say a prayer for our car. Uh-huh. We need our car to be able to actually get there on Tuesday. So just say a prayer. Just say, hey, <laughs> hey, devil, stop attacking in the name of Jesus. We rebuke you. And I just pray that everything that they need to get done will get done. Oh, I pray it will get done as well. A fun day in Ohio, eh? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Devil be gone. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Satan. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. We'll get to you guys in a moment. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania on W News. Wait till you hear about Pennsylvania today. Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, home of Satan. Also in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. On another election day, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. All right, election and uh, voting system problems are being reported so far in two different states as voters headed to the polls on Tuesday in a whole bunch of states with some critical off-year elections, statewide and uh, municipal, local elections, and so forth. Don't forget about Satan. (laughs) I'll never forget about Satan. (laughs) Hello, Desi Doyen. Hey. Uh, but, uh, you know, as, as longtime listeners know, in the rare event that we get something wrong, I will get to the uh, what the problems with the voting systems momentarily. But when we get something wrong, we like to put our corrections up front rather than burying them at the end of the show, at least whenever possible. And though this one wasn't an error per se, I still want to put it up front by way of a quick apology regarding Yesterday's show, yesterday on the broadcast, uh, we reported on the ongoing dispute up in Shasta County, that's up in uh, northern-ish California, where tensions have been rising over the past year or more as right-wingers in that county and on the county board in Shasta 
voted to get rid of their Dominion voting system voting machines, blaming those systems for somehow not accurately tallying the votes of voters in Shasta, despite any actual evidence that problems are actually happening with those voting systems up in Shasta County. But Republicans have decided they hate Dominion voting systems. And so the, you know, the, the, the folks up in Shasta, I'm calling them folks, I'm being nice today, decided we, they had to get rid of those Dominion voting machines. They ended their contract with Dominion and the county board voted to move to hand-counted paper ballots instead, at least until the state of California passed a new law that mandates machine counts across the state, uh, other than in limited cases where there can be hand, hand counts. Now, the election uh, county registrar uh, up in Shasta has vowed to follow state law, and the right-wingers in the county are just furious about that. Now, there are concerns that there could be some form of political violence in response to all of this following the election when it's time to count the votes and certify them, etc. So we're keeping our eyes on that situation up in Shasta County as best we can. But yesterday on the show, we cited the issue as one that our listeners up on KFOI, our affiliate up in Redding, which is in Shasta County, may want to keep an eye on since Redding you know, is in Shasta and is going to have to potentially deal with all this. But after the show on the site still known as Twitter, Stephen Dorst posted, quote, on today's broadcast, the Brad blog, that's me on Twitter, called out the Reading radio station with mention that Reading would be later in the broadcast. Brad didn't similarly promo KKRN in Round Mountain, also in Shasta County, California. It's Shasta County, Stephen writes, that is the focus of the story, not just Redding. Well, Stephen is absolutely right <laughs> to call me out on that. Our affiliate KKRN in Round Mountain is indeed in Shasta County, which my failure, I hadn't actually realized. But it is. I checked it out. Stephen Dorst has it right. Sorry, KKRN. We love you. So, uh, yes, of course, our apologies to our listeners in Round Mountain and my thanks to Stephen Dorst for letting me know about the unintentional oversight. And, of course, uh, good luck to all of the voters in Shasta, given the potentially brewing situation up there. I'd love to uh, hear from you, by the way, uh, via email at bradcast at bradblog.com or on Twitter at thebradblog if you have anything to add to the situation up there, whether you're in Redding or Red Bluff or Round Mountain or anywhere in Shasta County. I'd love to hear from you. So far, no bad news out of Shasta today that I have been able to find yet. But sadly, that is not, decidedly not, the case elsewhere that off-year elections were going on as of airtime on Tuesday across the country in several states. I've got to begin now in the critical battleground state of Pennsylvania today, sadly, where there are a number of local elections across the state and a big election for state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania to fill a vacancy on the court after its Democratic chief justice recently passed away. The court in Pennsylvania, the high court is currently uh, four to two 
Democratic. So Tuesday's election won't actually change the balance of the court, but it could turn a four to two uh, Democratic majority into a four to three majority. And then there are three Democrats who are up next year for a retention election during the 2024 presidential election. So, you know, that, of course, could certainly shake things up in the Keystone State next year, depending on how things go on Tuesday. So Tuesday's Supreme Court election is important in that regard in Pennsylvania, and it is not helping that some very serious voting machine problems are yet again happening in Northampton County. That is the uh, suburbs outside of Philadelphia. I actually used to live in Northampton County in the, the Lehigh Valley there. Now, I've been covering this story today at bradblog.com, uh, trying to make sense of it. And uh, frankly, well, here it, it makes no sense, really. But here's what we've got so far as of airtime on this, uh, well, what they're describing as, uh, unfortunately, a programming error that is being reported during Tuesday's off-year elections in Pennsylvania. But it, as I note, is hardly the first time that these terrible touchscreen voting systems made by ES&S, not made by Dominion, made by ES&S, a company that the Republicans for some reason seem to like. They shouldn't. But uh, touchscreen voting systems made by ES&S which are shamefully still used in Northampton County, just outside of Philly, even though they have failed during critical election days, including on Tuesday this year. As reported this morning by the Lehigh Valley News, a flaw, just a flaw, in Northampton County's voting machines forced multiple polling places to turn provisional paper to turn to provisional paper ballots on Tuesday morning. A programming error with the county's ES&S ExpressVote XL machines is causing votes to flip to flip when voters split their votes on statewide retention questions for superior court judges Jack Panella and Victor Stabile. Panella is a Democrat while Stabile is a former chair of the Cumberland County Republican Committee. So this is affecting uh, one Democratic judge and one Republican judge. If a voter casts, apparently what's happening is this. If a voter casts a yes vote to retain uh, one of the incumbents, but a no vote for the other one, the votes actually come out flipped, according to Northampton County Executive Lamont McClure. So this isn't the case where the uh, machines seem to be uh, calibrated incorrectly, where you touch one place on the machine and it activates a, another place on the, on the screen. This is actually some sort of issue where if you vote yes for one and no for the other, they flip. Which sounds to me like one of my worst concerns, which is that, you know, the machines say one thing on the front and you choose, a, you know, a particular candidate and the database inside the machine is set for a different candidate. That's a huge concern with these uh, touchscreen systems. Now, yeah, it's kind of a big programming error. Yeah. Error or something that you could do on purpose sure. if you wanted to. 
Um, and you would never know. Now, uh, the Northampton County Executive, Lamont McClure, characterized the error as relatively minor, according to the uh, news outlet, Lehigh Valley News, and stressed that all votes will be counted. Okay? But I'm completely unclear on how McClure knows that they will be uh, counted, much less counted correctly as per voter intent. McClure expressed his frustration that the mistake wasn't caught during pre-election testing. He said, quote, I'm livid at the election folks and ESNS. That's what McClure said, even though, as I understand it, it would have been the county board and, yes, its county executive, Mr. McClure, who approved these godforsaken, unverifiable touchscreen voting systems for use in the county in the first place. Unlike Georgia, for example, where the Secretary of State orders every county in the state to use very similar machines to this, it's up to a, each county to decide if they want to use hand-marked paper ballots or they want to use unverifiable touchscreen voting systems like they are now using in Northampton County, which are failing again. But of course, this is only, quote, relatively minor for those who continue to support using unverifiable computerized touchscreen voting systems rather than simple, verifiable handmarked paper ballots, I guess. And, of course, it was the paper ballots which appear to have saved the day at least somewhat, maybe, hopefully. LehighValleyNews.com staff found poll workers across the county pulled their machines offline and relied on provisional paper ballots when the error was discovered in the early hours after voting precincts opened. But they report Northampton County Judge Abe Cassis, hope I'm uh, pronouncing his name correct, but remember that name for a second, County Northampton County Judge Abe Cassis, he ruled on Tuesday morning that the county could continue to use those machines, according to McClure. In cases where the error would pop up for the retention questions, the county would then flip the results during the post-election canvas. Huh? How would they do that? This followed a recommendation by the Pennsylvania Department of State, according to McClure. Okay, so, no, it is not proper for election officials to be flipping any results after an election. I am not even sure how anyone would know in which direction the votes should actually be flipped. At least if I'm understanding Lehigh Valley News' reporting here, I'm, I'm trying to learn more about all of this from folks on the ground today. But as the outlet notes, unfortunately, this is not the first time that Northampton has experienced disasters with their new touchscreen systems made by ESNS. And yes, we reported on those disasters in Northampton on these same ESNS machines uh, back when they initially occurred, back in 2019. As uh, Lehigh Valley News notes, the county purchased the machines ahead of the 2019 municipal general election as part of a statewide election security update. But in their very first action, in other words, the first elections in which these systems were used back in 2019, the county found many of the oversized touchscreens were not properly calibrated, making it tricky to select desired candidates in some instances. But later in the evening... 
Election officials discovered a much bigger problem with these systems. After tallying electronic results from the multiple precincts, Cassis, remember that judge who gave the okay to use those machines after they failed today? Yeah. Cassis, who was then a county judge candidate, had zero votes in his campaign for county judge on those machines, which is a statistical impossibility, as Lehigh Valley News reports it in any event today. Further investigation determined that his electronic votes were not being saved on the systems. They say the election was salvaged because the print rece- the printed receipts correctly recorded the votes, and Cassis ended up going on to win a spot on the bench in that election in 2018. Uh, so back in 2019, these very same systems that were brand new at the time, in some cases, registered zero votes for certain candidates, which kind of seems like a problem to me. As we, we reported it uh, at the time, back in 2019, at bradblog.com, quote, in the critical battleground state of Pennsylvania, there were all kinds of problems with the new ESNS Express Vote XL systems deployed for the first time in Northampton County, where the systems were said to be operating incredibly slowly and results were reported as zero for some candidates, as later confirmed by the county. Uh, I also noted in that same report, I see that the systems also had problems in Philadelphia at the time where candidate names were missing on the screen and many of the machines reportedly refused to work at all. And then I quipped, but this will all be fine by 2020, (laughs) right? Seems like you'd want to return those. Well, they didn't. And as you may have heard, there were, in fact, some problems in 2020, at the uh, very least, with confidence in these particular voting systems, which should have been replaced, as Desi says, long ago with verifiable hand-marked paper ballots. And those receipts that are reported today as somehow saving the results of the 2019 fiasco may or may not have been verified accurately either back then or now at all by the voters who used those touchscreens to vote, which is, of course, the problem that I have long driven y'all crazy about when it comes to these types of so-called ballot marking devices, BMDs. They're essentially, you know, $4,000 computerized pencils. And once again, On Tuesday, as in 2019, and as always happens when these type of what are, you know, described as marginalized hiccups and glitches and snags and snafus on Election Day, whenever they crop up, they always dismiss them, marginalize them. Once again, we're seeing today, as in 2019, the officials who decided to use these machines in the first place, like Northampton County Executive Lamont McClure, they're downplaying the problems, blaming everyone but themselves. As Lehigh Valley News notes, McClure, who advocated for the county purchasing the machines, said Tuesday he was not yet looking to move on from the machines. It's common for counties to encounter hiccups Mm. on Election Day, he said. He said the problem should have been caught by ESNS, 
or county officials during logic and accuracy testings. That's pre-election testing. Uh, they call them stress tests of the machines and the software. But apparently those tests they ran before the election was opened did not split the votes on the Superior Court retention questions. The trials apparently, the uh, LNA tests apparently used all yes or all no votes when they tested to make sure they were working properly. McClure said, our election officials on this one relatively minor issue failed, and so did ESNS. He said, I'm not sure it means you scrapped the whole system. Well, yes, Mr. McClure, it does mean you scrapped the whole system, and you should have scrapped the whole system four years ago after this, after they, the same systems failed so tremendously in 2019 right after you initially wasted taxpayer money on these systems in the first place. Now, as I dug around a little bit more on this issue, I discovered that the problem may actually be even worse uh, than that, worse than I initially characterized it at bradblog.com today. I added an update to that story uh, with more this time from Lehigh Valley Live suggesting that the problem appears to be on the computer printout, according to Lehigh Valley Live, while the screen purportedly shows the correct vote. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if they are accurately reporting what's actually happening here, but the outlet claims that the digital record, what the voters are seeing on the screens in any event, is accurate while the paper printout is not. But, in fact, there is no way to know what the computers are actually recording inside the system. So to say the digital record is right, um, you know, it doesn't matter what they may show voters on the screen. There's no way to count what's going on inside the computer. Nonetheless, here's what Lehigh Valley Live is reporting this afternoon as of airtime. Uh, quote, the problem doesn't crop up if someone votes yes to retain both judges or no to retain both judges. And the problem affects the paper record printed out by the machines. The digital tally is correct. The judge was told by the Democratic State Committee. Michael Lilly said he noticed the problem when he was the sixth person to vote in his precinct. Quote, on the machine, it registered correctly. But when you looked at the paper ballot, the one I put a yes, uh, the one I put a yes for was a no. And the one I put a no for was a yes, he told LehighValleyLive.com. He informed a poll worker who helped cancel his vote on the machine. Lilly then filled out a provisional ballot on paper Instead, smartly done, Mr. Lilly. But remember, those computer printouts are what supporters of this type of touchscreen ballot marking device, or BMD, cite as the true record of the voters' vote. Even though studies show that most voters do not accurately check those printouts made by the computer if they bother to check them at all. And here... This voter was saying that what was printed out on the paper was wrong. And what was on the screen was right. Who knows what was recorded inside the computer? And by the way, never mind what's on that piece of paper. 
the the system doesn't count what it says you voted for on that paper. It counts a barcode that is printed on that piece of paper, a barcode which cannot be read by humans. It's insane. And, by the way, I'm not only pointing this out because it's a problem in Northampton County and in Pennsylvania, these machines are still used all over the country, whether they're made by ESNS or Dominion or any other company. Now, I spoke earlier today with our friend Susan Greenhall. You've probably heard her on this show many times. She's a frequent guest, and she is a longtime election integrity advocate and an, an advisor over at uh, freespeechforpeople.org. She actually lives in New York. But when she heard about this problem this morning, she hightailed it down to Northampton County in Pennsylvania, and she was able to confirm what was, in fact, going on. This mess, as I have largely, as I have described it, incredibly, she was trying to advise people before they went in to vote at, at one location about the issue. And she was eventually told to leave by the election judge at that location. I know she was allowed to be there, so it's unclear why she was asked to leave. She was outside of the... Apparently, there's only a 10-foot perimeter uh, around the polling place uh, where you can't do electioneering in Pennsylvania. But Susan wasn't even electioneering. For, no, you know, she, she wasn't advocating for any particular no. candidate. She was warning people, hey, there's a problem with the machines. Right. So, uh, But she was told to leave. She, she told me, well, she didn't. She sort of ignored the, the, the poll judge there uh, who ended up going back inside and didn't come back out to bother her. But she was, you know, at least as troubled by all of this as I am. And, you know, despite the fact that the, the Democrats don't seem worried, the judge in that case doesn't seem worried, the media doesn't seem worried, they all should be very worried. This is a very serious problem. Because there is, in fact, no way to know who voted for what in Northampton County or anywhere that these type of machines are actually used. Susan Greenhall was aghast that officials were saying, oh, well, you know, you can use the, go ahead and just use the machines anyway. We'll flip the results after the election <laughs> ourselves. It seems like they're just asking for a firestorm of controversy Do you to think? follow them. Do you think? Susan also advised that anyone who had a similar problem with their touchscreen systems, whether it's in Pennsylvania or really anywhere else for that matter, to let uh, both local and state election officials know about it, but also call 866-OUR-VOTE, which is a, uh, a problem hotline run by a consortium of voting rights groups. They keep a database of these sorts of uh, reported problems they end up using in various ways in court cases and other matters. 866-OUR-VOTE if something like this happened to you. But no matter what ends up happening here, this is not going to add confidence to voters that have been lied to, especially those that have been lied to about these machines by Donald Trump and his party next year. And it is just one of the reasons that every voter needs to be allowed to vote on a hand-marked paper ballot. You may have heard me mention that before. <laughs> and now, of course, uh, and, and I'm sure this 
incident will end up being uh, a major of major note to our friend Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance. They have been suing the state of Georgia, which forces every voter at every polling place to use very similar touchscreen ballot marking devices. In that case, uh, the, the machines they use are made by Dominion Voting Systems in Georgia. I'm sure the fact that the paper printout is showing something different than is being seen on the screen itself, I'm sure that will be of critical note in her uh, case in Georgia trying to stop the use of those systems across the state, which are being forced on voters by the Secretary of State there, Brad Raffensperger. Her case, by the way, finally comes to a trial in federal court this January, as I recall. And you'll recall that Marilyn, through her case, she is the one who actually discovered the statewide voting system breach by uh, Team Trump in Coffee County, Georgia, which ended up resulting in five indictments in that matter, including that of Sidney Powell, who has since uh, Trump lawyer Sidney Powell, who has since pled guilty to a felony there. And she has agreed to cooperate with the Fulton County District Attorney, Fonnie Willis, in that case in which. Donald Trump is accused of leading a broad conspiracy with 18 other co-conspirators to steal the 2020 election in Georgia. So I will be keeping my eyes on this. I, it's, it's troubling that so many in the media and so many election officials don't seem to understand what a problem this is and, uh, frankly, how... Uh, broadly, systems like this are actually still used shamefully in uh, a number of states across the country, but we will be keeping our eyes on that and any developments. Unfortunately, that's not the only problem for voters. And there's also a law on the ballot on Tuesday to make recreational marijuana legal as well in Ohio. So Satan is really having his day there. <laughs> and where uh, state Republicans have been pulling all sorts of stunts to block adding this amendment, approving this amendment uh, for the state constitution to guarantee reproductive freedom. Uh, Republicans there have purged 26,000 voters, as we discussed yesterday, from the polls after voting had already begun in that election and substituting anti-choice text into the ballot summary uh, for this initiative rather than using, you know, the actual text of the amendment, which is actually shorter than the summary that the Republicans forced onto the ballot. Well, as the State House News Bureau in Ohio reported on Tuesday, election protection workers said there have been a few hiccups huh. glitches at the polls so far. Nazek Hapasha with the League of Women Voters of Ohio said she's hearing from college students who requested mail-in ballots but never received them. Quote, we have got an extraordinarily high number of voters in the zip code of the Ohio State University that were mailed a ballot, but it was not returned, she said. We have been following up with them individually as much as we can, wherever we can find contact information for them. The Ohio Secretary of State's office has a system that can track mail-in ballots, but Mia Lewis with Common Cause Ohio said that's not telling students where their ballots are. Lewis said, quote, you can see that they mailed you a ballot with that system, but then there is kind of a black hole where you don't know what happened to them. Hapasha advised students and others with questions about their ballots to cast a provisional uh, ballot in person, if possible, 
if they didn't get their ballot in the mail. But not all students are able to do that. For example, some Ohio students attending college in other states could not do that. Neither can students who lack acceptable forms of photo ID, which is now newly required to cast an in-person ballot in Ohio. Actually, they always required some sort of ID, but this year they've made it much more strict, doing away with things like uh, utility bills and so forth. Spokeswoman for Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose, who has been, even while Secretary of State, responsible for overseeing uh, elections in the state. He even while that doing that, he's been campaigning hard against against Ohio's issue one to otherwise guarantee reproductive rights in the state. The uh, spokesperson for LaRose's office said, um, other than that, we've heard no issues of people not getting their absentee ballots. So it's hmm. fine. Only who knows how many thousands of students at Ohio State University. She says if someone requested an absentee ballot but didn't receive it, they can go to their polling location and cast a provisional ballot, which will count as long as they didn't also vote an absentee ballot. But they can't do that if they're out of town or if they don't have the very specific type of ID that is now required to vote in Ohio as of this year. Because of uh, a new voting law, State House News Bureau reports that took effect in April, utility bills can no longer be used as a form of ID for voting. Voters now must have one of a very specific list of photo IDs. And this is important. The Ohio State House News Bureau reports that a third of provisional ballots that were rejected in the August 8 special election in Ohio were actually tossed because of a lack of ID. That August special election was that last-minute election that was announced by LaRose and Republicans in the state in hopes of undermining Tuesday's election. That one, back in August, included a constitutional ballot initiative that would make all future constitutional amendments on the ballot more difficult to pass. It would require 60% instead of a simple 50% majority. Thankfully, that failed back in August tremendously, and democracy prevailed in Ohio, at least for now. We will see how close Tuesday's elections turn out to be and how many students who strongly support issue one and abortion rights, uh, how many of those students were never able to vote vote because they never received their ballot in the mail? And, uh, you know, as usual, I always try to warn problems with voting systems and, and in the tallies, et cetera, do not always come to light immediately on Election Day or even in the immediate days thereafter. So we will see how those concerns in both Ohio and Pennsylvania play out in the coming days. And we will, of course, update as helpful on them as, as we learn more as, and as we learn about other concerns and problems in other states that may come to light uh, in any of the states holding elections on Tuesday. And yes, in fact, there are a lot of them. We will share whatever additional information we're able to learn on tomorrow's broadcast along with any results that are for all of this and a bunch of the races uh, that uh, may be available for you by then. Uh, by the way, if again, if you had problems voting on Tuesday, 
please be sure to let your local local election official know about it. Let your secretary of state's office or state election board know about it, along with local media. And yes, feel free to drop me an email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. All right, quick break, and we are back with uh, more today, as well as, oh, Desi Doyen's latest Green News report. Yeah. But stay tuned anyway. That's all (laughs) ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But, of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back. Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Meanwhile, in Wisconsin, another critical uh, battleground state in the 2024 election. Late last week, in the wake of a multimedia pressure campaign launched by an election denier-run group, according to Democracy Docket, Wisconsin's gerrymandered Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss advanced an impeachment resolution for the state's top elections official, Megan Wolf. Her appointment was actually approved by the GOP legislature some years ago, and now they're looking for someone to blame, apparently, for Donald Trump losing the state in the 2020 election. So they've decided it must be Megan Wolf's fault. And they also want to make sure it's the path is laid for Donald Trump, should he be the nominee again. The 15 articles of impeachment, which, according to uh, Democracy Docket, which a group headed up, uh, a Democratic-leaning group headed up by election attorney Mark Elias, The 15 articles of impeachment are riddled with conspiracy theories and false claims. The impeachment resolution requires a majority vote in the Assembly, which, thanks to gerrymandering, Republicans have a supermajority in. So they can easily vote to approve these uh, impeachment uh, articles. And it requires the support from two-thirds of the similarly gerrymandered state Senate in Wisconsin in order to remove Wolf, who oversees the Wisconsin Election Commission. That's a bipartisan state election board that was also set up by Republicans in recent years. All commission actions require a four-vote majority, and as Democratic Commissioner Ann Jacobs pointed out in response to Voss's most recent move, Wolf only administers the elections on behalf of the commission. As a nonpartisan election official, Wolf was confirmed with unanimous support by the Republican-led Wisconsin Senate back in 2019. Since 2020, however, Wolf and Republican legislators have sparred over the Republican lawmakers' dedication to unfounded and debunked election conspiracies in Wisconsin, despite the fact that, as Wolf has attested, quote, every major decision relating to the 2020 presidential election was made by the commissioners 
the six bipartisan commissioners in public meetings. In a statement responding to the uh, impeachment resolution, Wolf slammed the accusations against her, quote, the claims in this resolution have been thoroughly examined through numerous audits, investigations, and lawsuits. It's irresponsible for this group of politicians to willfully distort the truth when they have been provided the facts for years. Ann Jacobs, the Democratic commissioner uh, on the Wisconsin Election Commission, said, quote, Why are the conspiracy theorists so fixated on Wolf? They want a villain to explain why their candidate, Donald Trump, lost. They cannot live with the fact that Trump got fewer votes in Wisconsin, so instead they create a fantasy where a single person in Wisconsin caused his loss, she said. Now, apparently, after sitting dormant for weeks, for some six weeks, a month and a half, the resolutions movement now comes after a six-figure ad buy from a group called the Wisconsin Elections Committee, not to be confused with the state agency, the Wisconsin Elections Commission. And uh, these ads apparently attack Speaker of the Assembly Robin Voss for not taking action. In a statement last week, Assembly Speaker Voss insisted, however, there was no connection between the ad campaign, even though it called for him to be ousted if he does not remove Wolf, no connection to that and his sudden advancement of these impeachment articles. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's nothing whatsoever. They're completely coincidental. Late last month, a uh, Dane County trial court in Wisconsin, uh, a trial court judge ruled that the state's Senate vote to remove Wolf some weeks ago from her position. Just, by the way, just as the 2024 elections are getting underway and as Wolf oversees and the commission uh, oversees elections in some 18,000 voting jurisdictions across the state, The uh, Dane County trial court judge ruled that the uh, Senate's vote to remove Wolf, in fact, had no legal effect and any further attempts to remove the administrator in that manner would not be legal. Well, when does doing something legally stop Republicans (laughs) in Wisconsin? The ruling, however, did not mention specifically impeachment proceedings. In recent court filings, Voss and Senate Republicans have admitted that the efforts to remove Wolf were, in fact, symbolic, according to Democracy Docket, even though Voss's admission seems to contradict this most recent action. And keep in mind, as I understand Wisconsin uh, impeachment laws, she doesn't have to actually be removed from the Senate to have to step away from her job if the assembly actually votes in favor of these articles of impeachment to send them over to the Senate for a trial, then Wolf will have to step down until that trial actually happens. And remember, the elections in Wisconsin are starting up in just weeks from now, the 2024 elections. The primaries are early next year, which means ballots will need to be approved very shortly. I think it's uh, by uh, the beginning of December, as I recall, in Wisconsin. And the state coming into a critical presidential election year will have no election director 
if the Republicans move forward with this scheme in Wisconsin to impeach. And, of course, they need to do it quickly if they're going to do it, because in 2024, these uh, gerrymandered uh, majorities they have in both the Assembly and the Senate may be entirely gone. There is a lawsuit that is currently pending before the newly liberal 4-3 state Supreme Court calling for every single seat in both the House and Senate to be voted on next year under new maps that are uh, new fair maps as opposed to the gerrymandered ones that Republicans have been using in the state since 2011, since Republican uh, Governor Scott Walker was in charge when they had a uh, a pliant state Supreme Court that would sign off on anything the Republicans wanted, no matter how unlawful it was. So, in other words, it's a fantastic time to mess with your election administration. Well, if you want chaos, then, yep, it's a perfect time. Yep. All right. One more here before we get to the Green News Report. As you all know, of course, Donald Trump testified this past week in his losing battle against the state of New York and the Attorney General Tish James the $250 million civil fraud lawsuit against Trump and his company and several top executives there, his eldest, including his eldest sons, Don Jr. and Eric, for having inflated the company assets by some $2.2 billion each year from 2011 to 2021 in order to receive favorable bank loans and such, even while they were lowballing those very same assets when they were uh, paying their taxes or buying insurance policies, et cetera, the judge in that case has already determined that they all committed massive fraud. And now the only real question is how much the damages are going to be and if the Trumps are going to be allowed to do business in New York ever again. Trump's daughter, Ivanka, is going to be on the stand in that uh, case, I think on Wednesday or, or Thursday, as I recall even while Donald Trump is facing 91 criminal felony counts in four other indictments at the same time, including two, one in Georgia and one at the federal level, for attempting to steal the 2020 election. But Trump is not the only one going through some things right now in the fallout of his many failed attempts to steal the 2020 election. While he's facing those two criminal indictments for that, his former chief of staff, who is charged as a co-conspirator in the Georgia criminal case, is also now being sued by his own book publisher for lying in his own book, which they published, which is all kind of hilarious, actually. As The uh, Hill reports this week, All Seasons Press, that's the publisher of Meadows' book, called The Chief's Chief, you probably get it at a low, low rate right around now <laughs> at your local bookstore. Uh, All Seasons Press has filed a suit against the former White House chief of staff seeking millions of dollars in damage after he reportedly copped to lying in the book about the 2020 election being, quote, rigged and stolen. Meadows reportedly met repeatedly with Jack Smith, federal uh, special counsel, and his team in its investigation into election interference and admitted that the 2020 election was the most secure in U.S. history, contradicting much of what he'd claimed in his book and allegedly breaking his agreement with his own publisher. The lawsuit 
against Meadows from All Seasons Press states, quote, Meadows reported statements to the special prosecutor and his reported grand jury testimony squarely contradict the statements in his book. One central theme of which is that President Trump was the true winner of the 2020 presidential election and that the election was stolen and rigged with the help from, quote, allies in the liberal media who ignored actual evidence of fraud right there in plain sight for anyone to access and analyze. Now, ABC News, citing unnamed sources still, reported that Meadows recently negotiated an immunity agreement with the special counsel's office and in the process admitted to his lies about the 2020 election. The lawsuit claims that Meadows agreed that, quote, all statements contained in the work are true and based on reasonable research for accuracy and that he claimed to have, quote, not made any misrepresentations to the publisher about the work. Oopsie. The book, however, weighs heavily on Meadows' claims that the, uh, the, that the election was rigged, which were already, by the way, debunked claims that All Seasons Press was all too happy to run at the time, to publish at the time, but now they've come under renewed scrutiny with Meadows and his reported admission that he propagated falsehoods. One chapter, for example, opens with the all-caps declaration that, quote, I knew he didn't lose. <laughs> now, All Seasons Press claims Meadows violated his agreement with the publisher following ABC's report, and they are seeking millions of dollars. ASP argues that as rumors circulated in the media, the Meadows could be cooperating with witness, uh, could be a cooperating witness with prosecutors. The book's bottom line was harmed, quote, as a result, public interest in the book the truth of which was increasingly in doubt, precipitously declined. And ASP sold only approximately 60,000 of the 200,000 first printing of the book, according to the suit. That's got to hurt. It claims uh, it seeks more than $1 million in damages for lost profits, over $1 million in incidental damages, including hits to the publisher's reputation, over $600,000 in out-of-pocket damages, the $350,000 that they paid to Meadows for the book and attorney's fees. Sad. Good luck, Mark Meadows. We wish you, of course, nothing but the best. <laughs> Quick break, and we're back with the Green News Report right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. All right. Election days, election weeks are always busy ones around here oh my, on the yes. broadcast for some reason. So, of course, we're running late. So let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. Authorities are issuing a stern warning for the bushfire season. Australia braces for El Nino to intensify already dangerous bushfires this year. October 2023 was the hottest October on record, plus... Look, guys, uh, we're announcing historic investment 
in America's railroads. I've been talking about this for a long time, I know. But finally, finally we're getting it done. President Biden unveils nation's largest investment in rail infrastructure in 50 years. All of those stories and other ones that will be ignored by the mainstream corporate media, straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. You know, we may have had a hot summer, but I just went trick-or-treating trick with my kids, and it was like, you know, the low that evening was 29 degrees. So, so climate change is over. Thank God fall is here. Congressman Andy Ogles, Republican from Tennessee. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, don't tell Congressman Ogles about what happened in October. It'll (laughs) surprise and shock him. Yes, the Earth just had its hottest October on record by a large margin since record-keeping began in the mid-1800s. But it was 29 degrees when Andy Ogles went trick-or-treating. That's according to preliminary data from European forecasters. October 2023 was the fifth month in a row to set a new monthly global heat record, meaning that 2023 is now a lock to finish as the hottest year ever recorded on the planet. Berkeley Earth climate scientist Zeke Housefather warns that we are still pretty early in the current El Nino cycle, and its full climate warming effects are still yet to come. Global temperatures are likely to hit new records in 2024. In Australia, bushfire season is off to a roaring start, with fire crews battling more than a thousand destructive wildland fires in Queensland over just the last two weeks. Ranchers have been urged to sell their cattle herds because the ongoing bushfire emergency is also exacerbating a national feed shortage. On ABC Australia, Emergency Services Minister Stephen Dawson warned residents that El Nino is going to intensify hot and dry conditions in the already massive bushfire season. Look, there's no doubt that we are in a, you know, we're having a change in climate, and what we're seeing this year is fires that are earlier. They will be more frequent. We will see a long, hot and dry summer. Here in the U.S., a new report from the Senate Joint Economic Committee calculates that wildfires exacerbated by man-made climate change cost the U.S. between 4 and $900 billion every year. Mm. The comprehensive analysis calculated costs from property damage, economic losses, watershed pollution, and other long-term factors. The Senate committee warns the estimates are likely an undercount of the true total cost of wildfires in the United States. Oh, I hope Congressman Ogles doesn't hear about that. Speaking of, in politics, the Republican majority in the U.S. House passed a bill along party lines to slash the budget of the Environmental Protection Agency by nearly 40 percent, gutting funds for state and local water systems and rescinding parts of the Democrats' landmark climate law that help low-income communities address air and water pollution. Oh, no. Let's pretend that's actually going to be taken up by the Senate, passed there, and signed by the president. Well, House Republicans know that the pro-fossil fuel bill won't pass in the U.S. Senate, but they pushed it through anyway. One of 12 must-pass spending bills to avert a government shutdown in a little over a week. Prepare for government shutdown. 
Meanwhile, President Biden on Monday announced $16 billion in new investment in rail transit infrastructure repairs and upgrades, the largest since the creation of Amtrak more than 50 years ago. Funding from the infrastructure law will go to 25 projects along the aging, critical commuter network of the Northeast Corridor, the busiest rail line in the United States, to reduce traffic congestion and cut air pollution and carbon emissions that drive global warming. Fully electrified trains on this corridor emit 83 percent less greenhouse gases, by the way, than driving your car. It matters. It's like taking 500,000 automobiles off the road every day. And finally, a very big win in Michigan for things that breathe. Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer is expected to sign sweeping climate and environmental legislation passed by the state legislature's Democratic majority. That includes reaching 100 percent clean electricity by 2040 and funding to boost electric grid stability, prevent blackouts and lower energy costs for consumers by expanding cheaper renewable energy. The law also includes critical reform to the clean energy permitting process to counter the coordinated, fossil fuel-funded, anti-renewable disinformation campaign in rural areas of the state that have been working to block farmers and rural governments from installing renewable energy. Things that breathe? Yep. You mean people that breathe? Everything that breathes. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.brandblog.com. I'm Brand Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Well done, Desi Doyan. Thank yeah. you very much. She is, of course, our producer. My thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download them anytime for free at bradblog.com. We, uh, that service, and we ourselves are made possible over your public airwaves only by listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks, Mastodons, and sites still known as Twitter. I am the Brad Blog. We will see you here until we see you here next. We will see you there until we see you here next time with election results. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>